I am so glad you're joining with us because we have this incredible new series. We're talking about Faith Forward. We really believe at the outset of this year that God has tremendous things in store for each and every one of us, but if we don't access them by faith, they'll stay as promises instead of pulling them into our current reality. So as you watch this program today, I just really pray that you get hold of God's greater plan and purpose for your own life. This concept that I want to introduce to you by my friend that I brought with me today, and I happen to have her right here next to me. Alexa, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I listen once I hear the wake word. Alexa, who are you? I'm Alexa and I'm designed around your voice. You can ask me to play music, answer questions, get the weather and sports scores, create to-do lists and much more. What? Alexa, can you tell us a joke? What's worse than finding a worm in your apple? Finding half a worm. <laughs> Gotta like that, right? Alexa, where are we? Hmm, I can't find the answer to the question I heard. Alexa, you're fired. I hope you'll give me another chance. What is this artificial intelligence? This is an invention called Alexa, and this, she's gonna to talk to me again. Every time you say her name, she responds. There's two things that are going on here with this piece of technology, active and passive listening. In order for Alexa to hear what I'm saying, she always listens to what's going on around her. She never stops listening, it's called passive listening, but when I say her name, that triggers her into action, and all those who have fear of artificial intelligence in the room right now are all like, oh my gosh. Now the point that I wanted to bring today about this is that our world was designed to respond to your voice. Your world, your children, your family, your friendships, the job that you're in are all designed to respond to your voice. If only the children, if only the boss, if only the situations would be as obedient as this piece of technology is. If they would only respond when they should. And you know, I've realized that I believe that life has a way of putting together a series of circumstances or challenges to silence my voice and your voice. Do you know what it's like to be overlooked, ignored, seemingly forgotten? Maybe it was the invite that never came to the friend's party. Or maybe it was a relationship that you really deeply care about, but that relationship has just grown cold and people are no longer answering your text messages. They're no longer responding to the questions that you ask about getting together. Do you know what that feels like? Do you know what it feels like to be ostracized? And I use that word from, from different situations. All of those things that start to happen to us affect the way we, we approach situations. And they're all designed to get us to the place where we actually lose our ability to confront situations. So we accept situations, 
we accept what's going on around us, but we don't have the strength to change them anymore. We just accept them, we just give up on them, and, and we just decide that, well, it is what it is. And what I see often in so many different people's lives is the struggle to speak up again, the struggle to try again, the struggle to trust again, the struggle to believe again. What do you do when the financial breakthroughs have not yet happened, when the relational breakthroughs aren't there yet? And so I wanna take you to what I believe is, is a journey of a man's life in the Bible called David. But before we go there, I wanna to go to this understanding and I wanna prove from scripture that the world has been created. Didn't Genesis chapter one verse two says that God said, let there be light and there was light. In other words, God spoke and the world came into being. John chapter one verse five says this, that in the beginning was the word. That word was Jesus. And when that spoken word happened, everything came into creation. The Bible teaches that Jesus was with God in Genesis chapter one. And the Holy Spirit was with God in Genesis chapter one. In other words, the entire creative universe, everything that we know has been designed to respond to voice command. It's been respond, the whole entire situation has been respond that way. Now let me, let me go deeper in this, in Mark chapter 11, and this has been a scripture we've looked a lot over this series, but it's important that we just have this principle before we go into David's life. Let me remind you that Mark chapter 11 verse 22 says, have faith in God. And Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. And therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jesus is talking about speaking. He's not talking about praying. He's not talking about trying. He's talking about speaking to your mountain. He's talking about identifying what are the biggest struggles and challenges or pitfalls that are holding you back and not accepting them any longer and rising up and starting to speak directly to your situation. Now, in order to do that, you've got to work on your inner healing. You've got to work on your mindset. You've got to work in your future. But I want to talk about how you have faith for your future. I want to focus on that. But, but of course, we understand that the decisions that we made yesterday, those things that we decided, they're bringing us to where we are this morning. Today is a result of all of our yesterdays put together. But the future doesn't have to be the result of our yesterdays. The future can be what we want it to be when we start to speak it out and we start to use our own words in our own way and in our own language to decide. My family might be a nightmare, but my next situation in the family I create is not going to be a nightmare. We're gonna have the peace of God in my home. We're not gonna swear and use four letter words. We're not gonna watch things on television or put things into our bodies that we shouldn't do because this is a new generation and now we have a new future. We are therefore, if anyone is in Christ, we are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. We're creating a new destiny, a new future. Alexa, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. I listen once I hear the wake word. She listens. She's always there. 
Do you know who was always around you? It's the Holy Spirit, God. He, he's, he's listening. He, he's, he's right there with you, passively listening. He's passively listening, passively with you every moment of the day. If we only had our eyes open and we could understand the power of the Holy Spirit around us, we'd have so much more confidence to speak out. But we don't speak out because we don't see the Holy Spirit. We don't understand that he's with us. And so we allow the Holy Spirit with all of his power and all of his strength and all of his ability to comfort us when we need comfort the most to just stay distant. Oh, for a church that would understand that we should start engaging in active listening. And we say, Holy Spirit, help me in my time of need. Holy Spirit, I'm reaching out to you because I don't understand what's going on in my circumstance. Lord, I need you in my life right now. Oh, for a church that does that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and before they go to sleep at night when you're struggling with insomnia and wrestling with the, the problems of regrets and mistakes and being overlooked of the past. Oh, for a church that understands today is a new day. Our God is for us. Who can be against us? That, that ability to speak, I tell you, church, this was so challenged in me when I moved to the north of England. And people would tell me that God will never move in this part of the world. Well, here's what I learned. Jesus specializes in resurrections. And wherever there's dead unbelief, Jesus is right there waiting for a resurrection. You are not here by accident this morning. The challenges, the pitfalls, and the disappointments that have surrounded you are waiting for you to step up and say, I know my life's not perfect, but I am speaking to my challenges. I'm moving forward and declaring that God, you do have a future for me, a future of hope, a future of promise, a future of life. And you start speaking that out instead of going quiet. Your mountains have been designed to respond to your voice. Your mountains have been designed to be changed by your voice. Your mountains have been designed to fall by the name of Jesus that comes out of your mouth at the right time. Your sickness has been designed to be healed as you say, no resident of Zion shall be sick. I shall beat this because of the power of the Holy Spirit. When you get that medical report and everything in you wants to crumble on the inside, oh, that's where you need to remember those who wait upon the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord, they shall rise on wings of eagles. They shall run and they shall not faint. And the word of God that you hide in your heart comes out of your mouth. What you put inside your heart will come out when you need it most. And if you're not meditating, and if you're not reflecting, and if you're not thinking about Jesus and getting dug into the word of God, when your mountain starts talking back, because your mountains talk to you, your mountains speak up. Mountains of poverty, mountains of abuse, mountains of insecurities, they don't stay quiet. They talk to you, they talk over you. And you have to learn to silence your mountain by understanding that God is greater than any situation you face. You have to make sure that you bring that. I know it's not easy, but God, you said and you promised that you're with me. Now let's go on to David's life because that's my introduction. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And 
Before you switch off and think, oh, Steve's talking about a well-known passage, I want you to think about what I'm about to bring. And listen as if you've heard this for the first time. Because in 1 Samuel 17, we find the scene is set when the Philistine army is on one hillside and the Israelites are on the other hillside and there's a huge valley in between the two. And in this huge valley, they call it no man's land in war history. You, you understand that you don't go into that location because if you go down to the valley, either army can shoot into that valley. And so we pick this story up because there's a standoff. There's a lack of progress. The promise of God that was over the people of Israel to possess the land, not just cross over, come on somebody, but possess the land and own the promises of God had come to a screeching halt because of an enemy army. Do you know what it's like to come to a screeching halt in your life and you feel like you can only go so far and then you're just absolutely stuck and you can't move any farther? I know what that's like. Does anybody else know what that's like? And you're in this place and you're like, God, are you forgetting me? God, are you overlooking me? God, are you ignoring me? And you're doing everything that you could be doing. And, and yet, you're realizing that nothing seems to be changing. I want you to know right now that an enemy doesn't have to defeat you. He only needs to infect you with doubt. An enemy doesn't have to have all-out annihilation against you. His goal is just to keep you quiet so that you're passive about the life that's around you. And here in this situation of intimidation, because intimidation is just as strong as destruction. Intimidation is the thing that you deal with when you look at yourself in the mirror on a Monday morning and you think, God, did you really give me the right skills to make it work? God, I wish I lived in London. I wish I lived in Sydney. I wish I lived someplace else. But, but here in the northern part of England, God, did you really give me the capacity? Did you really give me what I need to make my life work? And whilst you're doubting, whilst you're understanding that, you've forgotten what Jesus said. If you speak to the mountain and have doubt in your heart, the mountain's not gonna move. If you don't understand this dynamic and this principle, then what happens is you'll stop speaking to your mountain and you'll go quiet. How do I know that? Because in 1 Samuel, I'm gonna pick it up in verse four, a champion named Goliath from Gath, he came out, he was nine and a half feet tall. That's a big mountain. He had a bronze helmet. He had it on his head and his coat, his scale of armor and his legs and all the rest of him. It's ridiculous what he had around him. And he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel up on the hillside. And he said, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve. And then the Philistine said this, and this is what I really wanna focus on. He said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Your mountain speaks. Your mountain speaks, and your mountain doesn't go quiet. And every time you have an obstruction in your life, you need to understand this principle, that your mountain is not out just to defeat you, your mountain is defying the fact that Jesus Christ is alive today. Because this is not a show. This is not a production. This is not some Sunday morning two hour experience. This is the fact, Jesus Christ is risen. I have put my life on the line and I know he's alive. So many of the Christians would say, yes, we believe that. 
We believe that Jesus is alive. But then when your mountain speaks to you of challenge, when your Goliath comes talking to you, question, why are you quiet? If you believe that on Sunday and you can sing, God, you are good, but then on a Monday, you're not still able to say, God, you're still good. God, you're still good. God, you're still good. A while ago, I shared with you that my, my step-grandmother is going through a situation where she needs a transplant. And it's been a really difficult season. And there are mountains that I face that I don't like to talk about, but they come, out, they come after you. They come after you. They're evil. They're wicked. They're nasty. They know exactly where to hit you. And she said she's got kidney failure and she needs a kidney transplant. Her kidney was at 4%. Well, I'm here to say her kidney now is functioning at 28% efficiency. And she's come off the transplant list. She feels great. And she's 72 years old. But, but if I just accept that situation that came after me and talking to me, then, then it's, she's not gonna change. That kidney transplant was a mountain that was shouting, I defy the risen and the resurrected Lord. Not in my family, not on my watch, not in my neighborhood. You see, what you've got to understand when that happened, the, the consequence of what Goliath said in verse 11 says this, that on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites, not just one, but all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Full of fear, another Bible version says. Terrified. Do you know, it is terrifying to think about the future without understanding who Jesus is. Well, you look at the political mess in the world today and you think, oh my gosh, it's so scary. And, and you just let that absorb you. And what I see is that in Christianity, we can let those, those cares of the world, they can infiltrate our lives so easily and they can bring fear into our lives. And so Goliath knew what he was doing. You see, what you've got to understand, church, is that from the beginning of time, the enemy, your adversary, the devil, has specially conceived mountains to take you out. They are highly targeted, specialized. Goliath didn't just happen. He was trained from birth. He trained in psychological warfare. He trained in physical warfare. He trained specifically to halt the advance of God's people. And I'm saying that because you need to understand that there are mountains that can only be taken down by the name of Jesus. And we don't have to fear, we don't have to dismay when we understand the power of God that's in us. And this same terrifying thing, I want you to understand, the devil is terrified that you understand this principle. When you understand this principle, the fear that the enemy will feel is absolutely to his core and to his essence. If the people of God understand who they are in Jesus Christ, if the people of God understand that your advance cannot be stopped, there is no cancer that can stop Jesus. There is no unforgiveness that can stop Jesus Christ. There is no bitterness that can stop Jesus Christ. There is no fear for your future and your college education when you understand Jesus Christ. And what I'm bringing is, is not just a message. It's not, it's a reality. It's a context. So here's this Goliath and he's speaking out and the fear happens, but meanwhile, Back at the ranch. Meanwhile, in another location, God was preparing his man, David. Far away from the sounds of this Goliath, there was David. There he was on a hillside. And David was, 
He was in a place where he was overlooked for years, ignored, forgotten, mistreated, misunderstood. He's just the little runt son with seven, he had eight brothers, just on the hillside, on his own, forgotten. But what David learned is how to deal with loneliness. What David learned on the hillside is he learned how to relate to God. It was on the hillside that David became a great songwriter and began to reflect on who God is. And he looked up at the stars when he was alone at night and he began to think about God's greatness in his life. All of that loneliness, all of that seemingly overlooked part of his life was actually serving a greater purpose that he had no idea about. You see, you might think you're being overlooked or ignored or forgotten, but right now in this place, God is doing something so much greater that you will only understand in your future. You will only understand it in the years to come. God wastes nothing. He even can take bad things and turn good out of them, according to Romans 8, 28. Only your God can do that. He wastes nothing, nothing. And you're like, oh my gosh, Steve, are you talking about the abuse? No, abuse, heartache, person, that doesn't come from Jesus. That comes from the enemy. What's he trying to do? He's trying to turn you into a victim for the rest of your life. He's trying to get you quiet so you, so you don't believe in God and you go quiet and you just accept the status quo. But listen to me, when you understand who you are in Christ, you're no longer a victim, you're a victor. And when you're a victor, you start speaking out words, words that change your children's future, words that change the north of England. Where is that victor spirit? Where is it speaking out in your life? And here we've got this situation, meanwhile, back on another hillside. And this is how I know that David had heard from God and was serving him. Because even though he was overlooked, one particular day, his father comes to him. Verse 17, Jesse says, take this ephah, this roasted grain and 10 loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of the unit. Now listen to how David responds in verse 20. You would think if he's overlooked and forgotten that he would be bitter in his heart. Not David. The Bible records this. It says early in the morning. David's up the next day. He never complained. He never said, I'm not gonna serve my brothers. That wasn't even in his spirit. He woke up early in the morning. And then it says, he left the flock in the care of a shepherd. Look at the detail of his life. I never saw this in the Bible. I've read this scripture so many times and, and now I'm just understanding this. He had the wherewithal, not just to leave his sheep alone, but to put them in care of a shepherd. Listen, if you wanna to go to the next level, you have to have the sense to take care of the level that you're already on. Before you go to your promotion, you have to bring the care of a shepherd to your current level. Stop worrying about the future and bring people around you that have that shepherd's heart, that are kind, that are compassionate, that understand what it means to have perseverance in their life. David just wasn't gonna leave his flock with anybody because he worked for this. And if he didn't bring the care of the shepherd to his flock, his flock could be wiped out. Years of his life could be wiped out overnight. Listen, I believe there's promotion coming for some of us. There's promotion coming over your life. But you've got to take care of the level that you're already on before you get to the next level. So David goes, and this is so amazing. The moment he reaches the camp was the moment that a war cry was sounding. And as the war cry sounded, 
the Israelites, the Israelites and the Philistines, they drew up on each side of each other. And verse 22 says this, that David left his things. Again, not just with anybody. He didn't just throw the cheese and the bread on the floor. He left them with the keeper of supplies. Think about that. Where do you leave your most important possessions? Where is your investment at? Here's David showing us this principle. And then it says, he ran to the battle lines. And he didn't just run to fight, he ran and then he asked his brothers how they were. What? I mean, not only, I mean, we read Goliath and we think of that huge giant, but, but here we get insight, David's already beaten a giant. The giant of being overlooked. The, the giant of overreaction, the giant of bitterness, it was already defeated on the hillside. You see, a lot of us, we wait for the big giants to come and we miss the more subtle move, the more subtle attack, the things that are, we did just pick it up. And, and I see that in church, can we recognize, can we, can we identify what the more subtle attacks are? Can we recognize the, the, the humanity of feeling overlooked, but not letting our emotions determine our destiny? not letting our feelings hold us back. And so David gets this and he asks his brothers, how are you? And he just starts a conversation. And as he starts this conversation, he starts talking. Goliath at that moment steps up. As he's talking, you see, think about this. When you start to step out and when you finally get ready to speak up, you'll never be too late. Some of you right now, you're thinking that and I know what this is like. You're thinking, I've been overlooked for years. You know what the Bible says? That he will restore the years the locusts have eaten. He will make up, only God can do this. God will take everything you've been through and bring you to a place when you can have a breakthrough for your future. And as he's talking, he hears all this stuff. And verse 24 says that they flee in fear from Goliath, but not David. David starts saying, who is this? person shouting. And he starts asking the men near him, what will be done for the man who kills them? And notice this in verse 28, when he asked that question, Eliab, David's oldest brother, hears him speaking and he burns with anger against David. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? We already read it. David left them with a good shepherd, but here's Eliab. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is and how you came down only to watch the battle. Church, I put to you, there are two Goliaths in this story. The first Goliath is nine and a half feet tall. The other Goliath is Eliab. We don't give Eliab the giant enough credit, but here's the real giant. Here's the giant Eliab that was, I mean, this is so wicked and evil and he's going straight at how conceited you are, David. Next verse says this, now what I have done, what have I done, said David. Here, this is the title of my message about speak. Can't I even speak? See it? Eliab was trying to silence his voice. If, the, if this voice is silenced by the quiet, but still just this deadly giant, the big giant Goliath will never fall. Because here's Eliab questioning, do I really have the capacity to write that book or to write that song? Do I really have that capacity to step out in boldness and try again tomorrow in my job? What's happening is the enemy is trying to silence you just like he tried to silence David. 
But look at David. I love this because God knows what he's doing. David already knew what it was like to be overlooked. David had been dealing with this stuff for years and years and years of feeling overlooked, being ignored on the hillside. So it doesn't even phase David. Next verse, verse 30 says this. He turns away to someone else and brought up the same matter to some other man. And he starts saying, he just brushed off what Eliab said. It didn't even, and he just kept talking. And he didn't just gossip or complain. He starts saying, what will be done for the person who is going to take this big giant down? And he has a conversation. Next thing you know, that conversation is so dynamic that the king, King Saul, sends for David and says, who is this young man that is talking faith on the battle lines? Send me the young man who is saying what he's saying. You see, when you start talking and you start speaking faith in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your challenge, you are going to be sent for. You are going to receive approach. You're going to believe everything that God has for you. How do I know this? I mean, this is just so amazing that despite the fact that we're in north of England and, you know, some would say we're not as big as others, um, and this is the, I think it's the third time that this has happened. The new Prime Minister, Theresa May, has just invited me to represent you uh, at 10 Downing Street on Tuesday. And so I'm going Tuesday to meet Theresa May, our Prime Minister. How does that happen? Because in the battle trenches, you just keep being faithful and you keep speaking. We are not forgotten. We are not overlooked, church. There are not other people better than us. God has no favorites. We are God's favorites. Everyone is God's favorites. And when you start talking like that, you will be sent for in time. People will start talking around you. Oh, who is that upstart? Who is that person? Yeah, you're just full of yourself. No, we're full of God. Oh, you know, you're just full of proud. No, we actually want this because we want to change a generation, change the next generation. It's not about us. It's about the work of God moving through us. And so David goes and he meets Saul. And Saul is so impressed at the capacity of this young man, so impressed by what he's saying that Saul gives him his armor. David says, I don't need your armor. He takes it off and he becomes himself. And as he just becomes himself, he decides to go back and for brevity's sake, I'll just finish this message. He, he, he goes and he, he takes a, a sling. And I used to think that that sling was like what I used to have when I was a little kid. I used to have this little slingshot and I could never really hit anything with it. And if I pulled it back too far, it would break. And, uh, you know, I tried to shoot a squirrel one day and I, I knew it was safe because I knew I could never hit the squirrel. And it only went like, you know, like the, the shot went about six feet and hit the wall. It was just like, I give up, you know. But, but no, this is not what David had. David did, just didn't pick um, the, the armor because the armor was too heavy for him. And, and this, this invention, this sling was actually a modern weapon that the Israelites had. And it was a weapon for mobility. And this mobile weapon, because he didn't have armor on, what it meant was when he approached Goliath, because the, the Bible says that Goliath had, he had this person carry a huge, massive shield in front of him. So Goliath, he was all prepared. And he only had one weakness, which was right here. To hit this weakness in David, in his forehead, David knew he would need a weapon that would be unconventional. And so he took his weapon, and even though people were laughing at him, 
He said this, and what did he do? David spoke to his mountain. He said, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? Woo! <laughs> who are you that has come to defy the armies of the living God? This day, before the sun sets, you shall be dead, and the people of God will get back on the program of taking the promised land. He didn't just say that. You can read it later. The way he shouted was what he learned on the hillside. See, the enemy, he's picked the wrong couple to mess with. You've been overlooked, some of you, for years, and now you're realizing God is gonna use your experiences in a new way and in a new realm. And all the things that the enemy meant to destroy you are just gonna do this. The greater the damage the devil has done against you, the greater victory Jesus is gonna bring in your lives. The greater the freedom, the greater the story, the greater the testimony, the greater the restoration. That's what God's gonna do in your life. The devil's messed with the wrong church. We got some mountains in the north of England, and when they fall, all for the glory of God. When they fall, the things that are the greatest challenges, and they will fall, will be like that day when the Israelites, all terrified, saw just one, just one person climb down the valley, pull out this unconventional weapon. He'd already killed the first giant, Eliab, because when he climbed down that mountain and he faced the bigger giant, he'd already conquered the real giants. Are you conquering the real giants in your life? Because when you conquer the real giants, what you learn to beat those giants will set you up for the bigger thing that's coming. You're not ignored. You're being set up for your greatest victory. All the hurt, all the heartache, all the tears, all the things you don't understand, can you give those to Jesus and find your healing? Can you give those to God so that when you wake up early in the morning tomorrow, when you wake up, you're putting all the things you have in the hands of the great shepherd, Jesus. You're taking everything you're stewarding, everything you're carrying, and you're giving it to the keeper of your supplies, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who wants to comfort you and bring you through to another level. Church, you need to know, my wife Charlotte is in the hands of the Holy Spirit. And by goodness, God is using her in America. My children are in his hands. My possessions are in his hands. Everything I own, everything I have is in his hands. So what does that mean? That means when a challenge comes, that challenge is gonna fall because Jesus is who he says he is. And just with the sling you got, with the story, with the testimony, just with the power that you have, guess what? You throw that at your mountain. You speak to that mountain and you say, mountain, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? After hearing all that you've just listened to, I pray you'll apply this. Apply it in your life, in your family, in your workplace. God is after you moving faith forward in 2017. We know that that is what God has planned for you. So we're believing with you as you step out in faith. Hey, Charlotte and I and all the leadership team are so grateful for all of our partners around the world who help stand with us financially and also in prayer to help extend Jesus's love and purpose right throughout England, Great Britain, Europe, and even to the ends of the earth. We want to thank all of our partners. Without you, we wouldn't be here today. Thank you so much. We pray that God would increase your world 
They come and bring health, blessing, and vitality in everything that you put your hand to. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about Life Church, check out our website, lifechurchhome.com, or download the app.